Welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. In each episode, I speak with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. And leave us a review while you're there so others can find the show too. My guest today is Dr. Isaac Matson. Isaac is a soil scientist and native of the Northwest. He currently serves as the extension agronomist for the Washington Oil Seeds Cropping Systems Project at WSU. He has been involved in research on soil health, plant root soil interactions, soil fertility, and alternative crops. His current research focuses on stand establishment, soil fertility, and winter survival in canola. Additionally, Isaac is interested in alternative oilseed production methods, such as intercropping and dual-purpose canola. He hopes to see sustainable oilseed production continue to expand and bring crop diversity to the inland Pacific Northwest. Hello, Isaac. Hello, Drew. So what is the general outlook for oilseed production in Washington this coming year? So I would say based on our 2020 numbers, it's quite exciting and good. 2020 was, I think, the the record year. Well, I know it was the record year for canola production in Washington State as far as acreage goes. So depending on the estimate, we had somewhere between 73,000 and 80,000 acres. So that's up not too long ago. We were at 10,000 acres. Very nice. It's quite an increase. That's really exciting. And then last year was great on yields, too. I have some theories as to why that is. I think mostly related to um, just being cooled out during flowering hitting the right weather. But some of our research plots are our strip trials. So these are, are large, uh, bigger than a small plot, a large strip trial. Those yielded on average across all varieties, 2,700 pounds. And then the top ones were 2,900 pounds. So that winter or spring? That, that was spring. Yeah. Really? So that was spring. Wow. Remember, yeah. So okay. I guess if that's winter, it's not terribly impressive. I talked to a grower around the Moscow Pullman area that said they got around 4,000 pounds on a field. So that's anecdotal, but uh, and that was spring canola also. So that's those are exciting numbers. Yeah, the the weather was good last year, but maybe growers are just getting more familiar with the crop. You think? Yeah, I think I think there's both. I think we've come a long ways um, in understanding how this crop works and what it needs. And then there's there is I think people tried planting early, which in some cases cost us because there was some later freezes. But that early planting led to earlier flowering, and it was cool during flowering. And so I think the canola flowered longer than I've ever seen it flower. So I was walking in spring canola this year that was up to my shoulders, and I'm six one. So um, for for reference, that was probably the, the tallest non-irrigated spring canola I've ever walked in in my life. So that was okay. quite exciting to see. Yeah. So in, in the introduction, um, I said you're interested in stand establishment and winter survival in canola. Can, can you talk a little bit about uh, what some of the major challenges are for stand establishment and winter survival? Yep. And so this is going to, I guess, focus us on, on winter canola then, where we were talking about spring canola before. It's something I like to call the sort of the dichotomy of planting winter canola in the Pacific Northwest, and it has to do with our rainfall and our winters. And so if we're planting our, our spring canola, or sorry, our fall-seeded fall canola, um, if we plant it too early, 
we'll get a really big plant that will have trouble surviving the winter. And if we plant it too late, there won't be moisture near the surface. So this is uh, something that needs to be learned and adapted for people who are, are used to growing wheat because wheat, you can stick it down in there a ways and it'll still come up through our really light soils. So I've heard stories of people going six inches deep with their wheat. You're not going to get canola to push that far out of the out of the soil. And so if we're seeding it into fallow and, and you think about your fallow period and, and you're going along, especially if you're in a reduced till and you're not doing rod weeding, your, your moisture line is declining over the summer. And so you get into the July and August and you start getting into those hot months and start pushing towards September and your moisture might have really gone down in the soil. And so that's sort of the challenge of why planting early is good is to get the moisture. Then if you plant too early though, that's where you get into this problem where you have trouble with winter, winter survival because those plants can be too big. And so what we're really looking at is, okay, um, what are some alternatives to planting timing that we can use to either improve our stand establishment or improve our winter survival essentially going into the winter. Okay. So, so how, how early is too early? How late is too late? So I've, I've tried everything from May to September in, uh, in planting dates and it, it's a, um, it's sort of a a complicated function you have to think about because you have to think about your um, moisture in your profile. So, uh, and the thing I found with when we tried those really early May planting dates is we actually droughted out. So, so you, you are using water in that fall growth. And that was very much on the extreme side. We've done, we've had some success with uh, July plantings if you're controlling the vegetative growth by some means. And then um, I would say it really too late is going to really depend on what winter we have and, and what moisture you have. So the real way to tell if you're too late is going out and digging and seeing where your moisture line is, you know, and if it's, it's getting down there three or four inches, <laughs> then you might need to start thinking about something else. Um, in, in those instances where the moisture is declining in ways, of course, it depends somewhat on your management tools. So I, I have seen growers out in that Lind, um, Ritzville area who control with a, a rod weeder or something to, to set the moisture line. Uh, I've seen plantings out there go fine in August and September even. So, <clears throat> but, but generally that's sort of the, the issue that you're running into. Okay. So is winter survival, um, have more to do with, uh, the fact that you've depleted too much soil water during the summer or is it the plants just too big and it's not winter hardy or what there's a number of factors that come into play there I think we don't know actually so this is what I'm focusing my research on when I started working canola the story I kind of heard out of Oklahoma and Kansas was your plant is too big and so it's it's getting frozen and by too big they really mean too tall so mm-hmm. how how high is your growing point Right, because if that growing point is too tall, it's going to be more susceptible to the cold. So that's really what what we're talking about when we say that the plant is too big. And so we're we're actually measuring that this year because I've looked at some data out of Kansas where they've done and Oklahoma where they've done more work on this, and and I'm not convinced we know everything about um, the relationship between the, the height of the growing point and um, winter survival. And then obviously it depends on the winter a lot. So if we have a good snow cover and temperatures that aren't too drastic, you'll, I've seen any size of plant go through winter. I've seen plants that were 
four, four leaves, which would be considered way too small usually. And I've seen plants that were pretty much, um, you know, two or three feet across um, the canopy. And so, <laughs> so it really depends on um, what kind of winter we get. Uh, but what but what we're trying to figure out is okay on our average winter is what what kind of survival can we expect, and so that's that's where we're looking next. Okay, so what what kind of methods uh, are you assessing to help you improve stand establishment and winter survival in the state? Yeah, so stand establishment really what we're looking at is um, a few sort of more radical techniques since really stand establishment. Well, okay, so I'll back up a step because there's what we're looking at now and all of the. And then there's all of the things we know can hurt canola when it's young. And I always think you could write a great novel about a canola plant growing up and all the challenges it has to survive <laughs> as a seedling. Um, so you can, if you mess up on your fertility and you have a band of fertilizer too close to the seed, that canola is far more susceptible to that than than wheat. Uh, you know, you can you can have some insect problems uh, like flea beetles. And, and actually, we found wireworms now that will eat canola. Um, when it's young and then you can have birds. So we've had some horned lark problems. So, so assuming you survive sort of all of those biotic and, um, fertility stresses in that really young age, really what we're looking then is the water problem and how do we seed canola maybe when water is suboptimal. And so we're looking at two practices there. One was infraroral moisture and we run simulations of this in the lab and I'm not a terribly big fan of it. We we haven't really seen uh, a large enough benefit from that. Um, <clears throat> so we were looking at germination and root growth. And so we, I think we were going up to, I think we were going up to 200 gallons per acre. I can't remember the, the exact rate on a 12 inch row spacing and weren't seeing massive emergence benefits from that. So I would say if, if that does benefit anywhere, it's just really marginally. The, the next thing we tried was something that I was very skeptical at first but I'm a little bit more excited about now. And it's a, a wetting agent that you put in the soil that's supposed to help sort of, I don't understand everything about how it works, but it's supposed to help with germination. And so we got some of that and we ran it just because I was like, okay, well, we'll run an experiment in the lab. Those aren't too expensive. And <clears throat> the initial results there, there was maybe, you could go maybe one or two, maybe 3% drier with your gravimetric moisture and get the seeds to germinate in that. So. Okay. We'll see. We haven't run it in the field. Aaron Esser is attempting to run it in the field. I think those plots had a little trouble this winter. Um, and then I, I'm i running more iterations of it in the lab. Uh, but that'll be something to look for. So that would be sort of if you have a marginal seeding condition where you're like, okay, I think I can get a stand up, but it might be a little spotty. That would sort of be a solution to use that. And so the idea would be we would get better uniformity across the field. Okay. So some interesting things uh, and uh, as far as research goes, and it sounds like a very promising um, continuation of growth of, of canola in, in the state um, from 10,000 to what, say almost 80,000 acres. Yep. That's, uh, that's nice growth. Where can people go to learn more about uh, your work and on canola and, and maybe other oil seeds? Yeah, so there's um, one website where we keep most of the information, and that's the it goes css.wsu.edu/oilseeds. Okay. Um, and so you can go there, and, and hopefully you can put that in a link on on this show. And then also, actually, the the website that you are um, are I guess 
running, I don't know what to call it, <laughs> um, the smallgrains.wsu.edu. So I uh, have some timely topics in this um, podcast on there. And the one thing I would say, if you go to Oilseeds website, uh, we, we post every year our abstracts that we submit on the most recent research. So if you're looking to learn about the things I'm talking about on the podcast or even some other crazy ideas that we're working on or looking for maybe some variety of information, you can go to the the annual report or the field day abstracts on that Oilseeds website and there's some good information there. And it's always um, the most recent. So that's pre-publication, pre-extension bulletin. That's the raw the raw data as it comes out. So it's not um, ha- it hasn't been as reviewed as the other sources, but I think it's really good for just getting a general idea of what we're working on. Okay. And these uh, large strip variety trials, that information's up there as well? Yep. And and I should make a note on varieties. So that's we don't run a ton of those because they are sort of these large trials and they take a, a bit more work that way. Um, we're using those mostly to do sort of landscape comparisons. So we're trying to look at how the canola varieties perform across a landscape since it's larger. Uh, you can use that data for making variety decisions, and that's certainly one of the things we try and do with it. But I would also recommend you go look at the University of Idaho. Jim Davis over there does a great job every year of small plot variety trials. So just realize when you look at uh, the U of I data, you're looking at small plots. So you're looking at something that's 20 by 5. And when you look at RWSU data, you're looking at something that's the width of a drill, so maybe 40, maybe 30 feet, and however many feet long. So anywhere from 400 to 600 feet. Long. So you're looking at a much better representation of variety over a field okay. <laughs> when you're looking at that. And I think I will mention that in the Small Grains website, there is a link to your your website yep. down at the bottom of the homepage. So they can get to it from smallgrains.wsu.edu as well quite easily. So, yep. All right. Good information. Thanks for sharing with us today, Isaac. Yep. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions or topics you'd like to hear on future episodes, please email me at drew.lyon, that's L-Y-O-N, at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu and on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications in the College of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next time.